Hello, hello, and welcome to The Impact Code, where we take deep dives into the stories and journeys of impact in the lives of our guests. Today's guest is a friend of mine. I met him about a year ago when I joined Tower Community Bank. He is the president and COO of Invo Solutions. He is a father. He is a husband. He has a huge passion for building a healthy company for building a company that's hard charging and fast growing. We talk about a lot of things in this episode. We talk about the balance between competition and contentment. We talk about hiring people who are hungry. We talk about being present right where your feet are planted. We talk about being mindful of your impact and always keeping that at the forefront of your mind. His name is Jake Martin, and I'm so excited to welcome him to the Impact Code today. I hope you're as excited as I am to dive in today and to learn from Jake and to learn with Jake. But before we do, I want to take a brief moment and thank Tower Community Bank. Why? Because Tower Community Bank has paid for everything about this podcast, the equipment, the hosting, the marketing for the podcast. All of that is brought to you completely free by Tower Community Bank. So why would a community bank in Middle Tennessee pay for a podcast about impact? But that's because Tower Community Bank cares tremendously about its impact in the communities that it serves and beyond. And we're working on growing that so that we can involve more people in our mission here at Tower Community Bank, which is to make our communities better places to live, work, and raise a family. And we feel like this podcast is a way to do that. It's a way to connect with our community. It's a way to elevate stories, uh, the members of our community and to really share what is so great about these places that we're in and beyond. If you enjoy today's episode, please take a quick minute and hop on over to www.towercommunitybank.com. Check out all of the products that Tower offers, and if something interests you, please sign up. This podcast is just one example of how Tower Community Bank is revolutionizing what it means to be a community bank. Check us out today. And now, without further ado, my conversation with Jake Martin. Jake, hello. Welcome to the Impact Code. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, my friend? (laughs) I'm good. How are you, Brett? Doing really well, man. I appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Of course. So Jake, let's start by telling everyone about this company called Invo Solutions. What is Invo Solutions? I mean, that's a great question. We we got what three hours allocated for this? That's is right. That what you carved out. Yeah, let's yeah. dive in deep dive. Yeah. How much tape do we have? Yeah, <laughs> unlimited. What's tape? Unlimited. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for starting there. Um, yeah, Invo Solutions is uh, it's a unique animal, and for anyone unfamiliar with the financial space, um, it's going to be a foreign name for sure. But we occupy a pretty unique little spot in the software development industry that specifically caters to uh, community banks and credit unions and that we 
um, originally developed a platform that was rooted in video banking. And that platform was designed to connect customers and members that may physically be walking in a branch needing assistance, uh, but and then enabling that, that financial institution to put those resources, the human resources, anywhere um, across a branch network, even centralized in a call center or an operations center, or as we've seen in the last three years, even decentralized and allowing some re- remote work to occur. And through this synergy of video offices or video connections, we were able to create what we call the, the Invo video banking platform and Invo kiosks, which are just the touch points in the in these branches. But really, it was the idea of solving for a challenge that was starting to affect this industry 10 years ago, believe it or not, of declining foot traffic in a lot of branch scenarios, challenges in hiring and retaining talent, which of course means something completely different today. And it's even been magnified in the last three years. But the idea was how can we equip these institutions to create efficiency from a staffing perspective on an operational level and then also increase customer service on the front end? And we grew it from creating video offices to then launching lobby management platforms, which could be high-touch engagements of <clears throat> greeting customers at the front door, getting a little bit to know them, then assisting them with their needs financially in the branch. And then we um, continue to evolve that and follow consumer behaviors to uh, digital. So we launched Invo Video Banking on the web, and then we launched it in the mobile platform. Either we can build custom applications, we can integrate to existing mobile app applications as well. Then we layered scheduling tools on top of that with Invo Booking, allowing customers to self-schedule in-branch appointments or appointments to be taken remotely. And then we've launched co-browsing. We've launched uh, our own chatbot, which is driven by our own AI technology and machine learning technology. And then we just launched InvoText in the uh, fall of last year uh, at an event you attended. And uh, we're excited with that being our newest IP. Um, I didn't list all 10, but we've we've got 10 products at this point, 10 years into the game. And one of the things I believe in is a an ABL philosophy, always be launching. And whether that's a new product, um, a new solution, or an enhancement to something we're already doing, um, our ideal is how can we connect the financial space with their consumers in whatever way those customers want to be connected with. So it's really become an engagement platform today, even though it really started out as a video banking platform. I love that evolution story. And I also find this idea of always be launching fascinating. So I want to circle back to that. But before we Mm. do, can we talk about how did you find your way to Invo Solutions? Were you there at the beginning 10 years ago? Did you join somewhere along the way? Can you fill us in a little bit on how you found your way to Invo? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So my story and how I ended up here is pretty cool, in my opinion. Um, and not just because I'm a part of the story. Do I think it's cool? But the way that this, <laughs> the, the way that the story has so far unfolded has been pretty neat. So um, I was familiar with the company at its inception, but only at arm's length. And so the co-founders of Invo Solutions are banking executives uh, located here in the Springfield, Missouri area, where we're corporately located 
Washington and also in the area where I reside with my family. And the uh, role I occupied previously to the role I'm in now was responsible for bringing products and services of all kinds to financial institutions across about a a 24 state area. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I would say like a super regional area of the Midwest part of the country. And that company brought for things like teller cash recyclers, uh, vault equipment, security systems, interactive teller machines, which you're very familiar with. Um, We had design build firm as well. So we had a construction um, division as well as a design build division. And so we were going into institutions, um, you know, I would say from startup to about $3 billion in asset sizes. And um, part of my or my chief responsibility was business development. So I oversaw both the technology as well as the bank equipment and the construction divisions of that organization. Um, and one of my clients were uh, also uh, the executives of, of a financial institution locally were the ones who were starting Invo Solutions. And so they were a customer of mine at that time. And wow. I was very tightly connected with them because they were constantly doing things that no one else of their asset size and class were doing within the space and innovating branch design, launching micro branches before others were leveraging technology. And they started to create these video offices. Um, but out of the gate, I mean, it was it was a, a novel idea, but it was rooted in a video platform that already existed that many of us were using just for, for meetings. And mm-hmm. then they, they, they created a, a wrapper, if you will, their own visual or UI wrapper around that and then created it to be self-service in these offices. And um, we went to lunch and these two gentlemen were sharing it with me. And we were like, this would be a great product to launch. Um, is there some interest here in bringing it to market through the role that I was at then? And um, that did not end up coming to fruition. Um, and that was by design. We didn't know it at the time, right? So yeah. the the product needed a few more years to bake and they soft launched it at four other institutions um, across the central part of the country. And then we revisited the idea five years ago. And at that time, it was had grown significantly. I saw the possibility of it. And I was also just being plugged into the industry. I knew what was happening. And I knew that this was a novel idea that had an opportunity to significantly impact a large number of institutions of various sizes and scales and scopes. It just needed to be introduced to those people. And so we brainstormed on ideas and we kept coming around to the idea of doing something unique together. And um, I'll never forget, there was a, a, a meeting we had And we came to that meeting with an additional third party besides our two groups. And it was like, Hey, what if we, what if we, we did this, this company together with these other things we were looking at and Invo would be a part of that. And, um, we left that meeting. I didn't feel like it was the right thing to do unbeknownst to me. They didn't think it was the right thing to do either. Um, and so we just text, um, because something had been really impressed upon me that I wanted to share with them. And I said, Hey, let's grab coffee next week. And so we, we met for coffee and they started the meeting. Hey, we've got something on our hearts. We'd like to share with you. It's really been impressed upon us. And, um, ironically, it was the exact same thing that I said, which was, why don't we just go all in and launch this company? And so um, we we sat at the table and uh, they said, well, what would it take? And I wrote something down and showed it to them and they looked at each other and said, I think we can do that. And I said, oh my goodness, I think we're going to make this thing happen. (laughs) So um, (laughs) 
all of a sudden, you know, we'd make some commitments to each other and, you know, then we, we formalized it. And, um, I walked away from a, a, an, a phenomenal company and a, in an amazing position, um, that I had a, a big future ahead of me there and took a chance to come over here because I knew this was what we were supposed to be doing. And that was just a little over four years ago, um, when we only had four clients. Um, and at that time, one full-time employee, and that was me and, uh, yeah. and Full of ragtag developers who were working part time in addition to their full time job, and uh, as they say, the rest is history. As we have obviously grown significantly since then, that's such a big jump. There, what are you feeling in that moment when you're taking such a big risk into a territory that's completely uncharted from your past mm. experience, and you knew the industry well? But what are you feeling as you're coming into this new role and there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders? Yeah, I mean, that part of it was exciting for me, if I'll be honest with you, Brett, like that, that is part of what my personality gets fuel from. So I love that. I love the little bit of the risk taking. I love the adventure side of it. Um, You know, in there's a whole other side of this, which, you know, I, I haven't gone down yet, but that's just the piece I have with, with my personal faith. And so I had, sure. I had prayed about this a lot. I had really just sought guidance that is beyond my own capacity. And because of the vision that I had and that I had shared with my, with my business partners, um, and then the, just the piece I had about the entire process, I, I knew this is what I was supposed to be doing. Like I, with complete confidence, I knew this is what I was supposed to be doing. But um, if you've got a minute, I've got a kind of a funny story about how how this is all went. If you want to hear it, I'd love to hear it. So this Let's is go. a little bit of a, a little bit of a peek into the psyche of Jake. And uh, I said, I don't know if this tells a good story. It's a good story, but I don't know if this tells more about me than than maybe someone to know. But I said, I've kind of worked <laughs> my career backwards and that. Yeah the first half of my professional life was in a completely different industry. I was, I was in the pharmaceutical and biotech industry. And so coming out of college, um, which halfway through college shifted from a pharmacy degree to a business degree. Um, I was confident that pharmaceuticals and biotech was my future. And so I'd, I'd went down that road and came out with my first job at a fortune 50 company and was like, man, this is it, right? Wow. I mean, how, what else could you ask for? Uh, when, from that to a uh, more niche Fortune 100 biotech company, and I'm, but it was a it was a, a vertical move for me. I was I was moving up in the ranks, you know, in my in my late twenties, um, and then left there to go into a completely different space in the financial space because <laughs> of a personal relationship I had from college. So that's how I ended up into this industry. But I left. Fortune 50 to go to Fortune 100, then left that to go to a privately held super regional company, the one I just referenced, um, and worked for that company um, for about nine years to then come to Invo, which was a startup. So my career has been a backward spiral, if you will. So it's been <laughs> Fortune 50, 100, super regional to startup. But uh, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And there is so many lessons and so many things that trials that I was walked through and, and, and things that I learned at each one of those different career steps that prepared me to come here to lead this organization. Um, and I'm extremely blessed for that. I, I wouldn't have been ready to do what we're doing here had I not walked through those, those trials. Mm. 
It's so interesting that you say that because my career had a similar trajectory where I started with, with CentOS, which is, you know, at that time it was a little over a $4 billion company, massive company, 40,000 employees. And then I went Mm -hmm. to a much smaller company, but PE funded was still growing really quickly. And then I went to a privately held family business. And then here I am pivoting into the banking. So can certainly relate to that backward spiral. I love, I love hearing that story. Can you, one of the things that's always intrigued me is trying to find a place for a lot of people in either a small company or a big company and knowing which direction to take, because there are so many pros and cons to each can be Mm -hmm. really difficult. How did you know with each progression that you were heading in the right direction? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I, if I hadn't have been given the opportunity to reflect on that because I have, and, and, and actually nobody's really asked me that, that question before, but, um, you know, it's a matter of contentment. That's what I found. Um, and that is the word, that's the key word. And so I'll I'll expand Mm -hmm. on that a little bit, Brett, but when I was in the pharmaceutical industry, I was so hungry and never content. I was always fighting Mm -hmm. for that promotion, that next role. And the way that industry worked is you start off with, you know, you sell a full product suite. So I was selling pharmaceutical products across six disease states. So it's like, hey, you're an expert in migraines and cardiovascular health and neuropathy and nephropathy and endocrinology and um, all these things you have to be experts in. But then as you move up, it's you start chopping some of those off to so you become more specialized. And so for me, it was always like, I want to become an expert of this. And so mm-hmm. I was never content for nine years, I was constantly fighting for that promotion, that next opportunity. Wow. There was never a year of not of those nine years that I wasn't interviewing within the company I worked for or interviewing externally for other opportunities because it was so cutthroat. And I thought that was the right thing to do. And honestly, I, I, I fed off of that. It made me hungry, but I was <laughs> never satisfied. I mean, for nine years, I was always like, what's next? I mean, this is great, but what's next? This is great, but what's next? And I realized at the very end that I was exhausted and it was, mm-hmm. it was that it took me a while to arrive at why I was so exhausted. Um, because I mean, to be fair, I was earning a very good living and the benefits of working for those companies were tremendous. And so it wasn't a matter of compensation or benefits or any of those things, but it was that personal internal satisfaction of where am I as a person? Where am I as a professional? How's it impacting my, my relationship with my spouse? And at that time, my family that was growing Um, and I was providing for them, but only in the financial sense, I wasn't providing from them. And I'm, I'm a person who is comfortable and confident in where I'm at. And those two Mm. things have to balance for me. And so I realized that lack of contentment also then drove me to move into that next phase, which was that biotech company. And I was still hungry, still fighting, still interviewing. And then... I had a, I had actually was over at a friend's house, the, the friend from college who ended up recruiting me to come to work for his family's company that, that was in the financial space. And he revealed it to me. In fact, it's something I didn't even see in myself, but he's like, man, you just don't, you're just not content. Everything, everything you're saying is you're excited about what's next, but you're not excited about where you're at. You And he, he just, hit me with. He's like, well, how do we get you excited to be where you are? I'm like, man, I never have really looked at that at it that way before. And so I, I made that transition um, and it did lead me down a path. And, and I was very, I was very happy and content there, it, but it wasn't what I wanted. And I realized um, the company was fantastic. Ownership was great. It was a great family owned company, but having come from 
where I was at um, into that company, you know, there was a point to where I met my ceiling um, and there was no way for me to go. And I, and I joking, I'll share this with you. I was in a meeting one day with uh, the ownership and they're all family members. And I'm like, I realize what the problem here is. I just have the wrong last name. <laughs> I was the only one in the room that did not have the last name of the family. And so wow. I realized that if I'm content just to sit here and be successful and work alongside these people, which I was, but I knew in my heart, it's not where I was supposed to be, that I, I could have just finished out the rest of my professional career there. But there was something else that was out there. I didn't know at the time it was Envo. Um, but when that was opened up to me and the vision was shared with me um, and I was able to really seek some guidance on that future path for this, um, I knew that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And Brett, it wasn't it wasn't six months in that I I then realized upon reflection that holy cow, I've never felt this way before. I've never been busier <laughs> or more nervous or more anxious in my life because we're trying yeah. to grow a company. Yeah. But, but but I'm also I've never been more content because this is right where I was supposed to be. Hmm. I love that you saw that and that you took the time to sort of pause and acknowledge that were there little things along the way that helped you find and grow that level of contentment were there any practices uh, that you employed or was it just a matter of being in the right spot and then looking back and realizing what had changed yeah you know and, and i hate to i hate to throw that terminology in but you know you know wisdom does come with age and there was a little bit of that um always being hungry and always just wanting to go after that next thing and as someone who is competitive um and also likes to take charge it was always a challenge for me when i felt like there were things i saw in the organization i was in or there were there were things that i had visibility to and comments and feedback i would share that were were was not being heard or not even being entertained and and I, it was a matter of something that was challenging me internally and then I realized later though upon reflection that hey, those things were I was being denied for a reason it was because that door was being shut for my benefit and so that mm -hmm. it would be so I could focus on other things and focus on the path that was supposed to be laid out in front of me I just couldn't see it because I was seeing everything else that I wanted to see um, and so it was probably a little bit of both I mean back to the root of your question there it was when I arrived at where where I am now in this in this company, um, you know, I realized that I have been building towards um, the point at which it was my responsibility to see success um, and to be able to execute the vision of our co-founders um, with also having the responsibility to represent this company in the way that, that they see it, in the way that I know it can be represented. And a lot of my hard edges and a lot of my lack of contentment along the way was being refined. And I realized that mm. every step of the way, though, at the moment in those opportunities, I didn't understand what the lessons that I was learning until after the fact. And that's back to where that wisdom comes with age, not necessarily age is a number necessarily, but the experience, the wisdom that comes with that experience. And for some people, it happens very quickly. Maybe it's because I'm super hard headed and I needed to go through a really long portion of my life to learn those <laughs> lessons. I don't know, but I'm OK with it either way. I'm happy with what, the way things have turned out. Yeah. And where is Invo today? So you, you mentioned you started out four years ago with four, four clients. Mm -hmm. uh, are you able to share where you are today? 
Yeah. So, you know, it's really interesting. Um, and, and yeah, I don't mind to share that, that information. And the, the story is pretty unique in that that first year was really about building the bedrock for this. Right. So we, mm. whenever we came in here, there was a, there was a point and I will never forget this. There was a point to where it was myself. And then we hired a lead engineer. Um, and he, he came over here from France. Um, and he's just a, a tremendous individual, super, super smart, but saw the vision as well. And so he and I were the first two employees. And then we had four part-time employees and, and then we hired a contract employee out of Kansas city, Missouri. So about three, hour, three and a half hours away. And so we would meet every single morning, um, from six until nine. And then, two thirds of that group would go on to their full-time job. Um, and so every day that was the cadence and the, the, it sounds like, you know, there's, well, there's quite a few people there, but at nine o'clock, four people left and went to their full-time job. That contract employee jumped off of the video call. And then me and our, my engineer were sitting six feet apart. We would, so we could stare at each other and, <laughs> and he's literally over there working in the code. And I'm over here working the phones, networking with every single contact I'd made over the last nine years, trying to tell everybody about Invo. Um, and so that was, that was exciting. So that was the first six, actually it wasn't even six months. It was probably three months. And, and then we started to hire uh, some individuals and onboard them. Some of them, you know um, as well. And that was where the acceleration started to happen. And then we started to attend some conventions and conferences. And so, you know, we signed that first new client that fall and then that second new client in the winter. And then it started to steamroll. So the first year, you know, you've got a couple of clients. And then the second year, I think we added somewhere around eight to 10. And then the next year it was around 20. And then last year was about the same. And so we've, we've seen, we've seen things really start to accelerate and our goal has never been to design this to be where, you know, you're we're signing up 20 clients a month, um, you know, not to say that that's not something we have the capacity to do in the future. But I, it's super important to me that we don't get too far ahead of ourselves, because the second that we can't properly build and maintenance a software code that's stable that serves this industry, then that software will not represent that financial institution the way that we've designed it. And that starts with presenting it the right way implementing it the right way with the proper team, supporting it with the right support services team. And then behind them are, are all the guys that are back. I call them the dev cave. And we have, we have, we have the, the team dev cave back there. You know, and there's, there's product teams back there within that. And those teams are growing, but we, we continue mm -hmm. to set ourselves on a course for what I could say is really good, strong, organic growth year over year for the last four years. And this is going into the fifth year that I've been here. And, um, you know, we, it's, it's surprising to see us go from just those handful to now, I mean, we're, we're approaching uh, 60 clients across the United States and, and Puerto Rico. And I think this year will be the year that really pushes us towards that that triple digit number um, with acceleration. And, and that's exciting and scary at the same time. And um, I want to make sure we don't we don't get too far over our skis to use that analogy. And that's the hard thing is to you know, you want to grow and that's going to always be my MO is growing, um, but not losing sight of, of the product and the stability and the, the things that are important to our end users at the same time and balancing that. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you ensure that you don't get too far out over the skis? What are some of the markers that you personally look at within Invo to keep an eye yeah. on that? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's a number of different pieces uh, and metrics that I look at on a, on a regular basis, on a weekly and a monthly basis. And um, obviously, financially, you know, we're reviewing those things on a, on a regular basis. But when it comes down to the platform itself, I mean, we maintain um, SLAs. So there's, there's uptime commitments we make to clients contractually that we have to maintain. So that's a very easy first uh, metric for me to measure that if we're falling outside of those commitments to our clients, that's a red flag. Um, you know, typically for things like that, if there's an outage or a downtime, um, it's going to be network related. It's not going to be product related. So, you know, but the stability of the product is important. And that that goes from what do we control internally? What do we control with our, our cloud-based server partners? And then what do we, how can we help to ensure the networks that drive those systems that our financial partners are able to support those connections as well? So there's that kind of product and the connectivity side. But then even beyond that is the uh, the maintenance of the relationships. And so I've really tried to focus on, we've got a super, super strong support team and mm-hmm. we've invested in software. We've invested in some ticketing systems. Um, and, and beyond that is the, is the talent that drives that. And so we have metrics in place of, of response time, um, resolution time um, that, w- that we internally maintain in addition to what's in those contracts as well. And so we're, I'm able to measure, you know, when you start to see, um, you know, our support tickets grow beyond a manageable. And we set metrics around those. And I've got a technology director that oversees that for me. So when we start to see things get to a point, we're like, well, we probably need to fill another role and also analyze why, why is this happening? Um, and it could just be odd things. Like you bring on a really large client, they're using, we have one client that might be using our system 10x the next client. Well, they're going to identify things that that other client wouldn't. So maybe we need to dedicate more resources to them. And so we're constantly analyzing that as well. But for me, it's even beyond that. It's the, uh, the relationship that we have with our clients. And so a lot of times you'll hear companies throw around the term relationship and partnership. And I know, right. I, here's the th- reason that I know this resonates with you is because I also know uh, from the institution you work with and the leadership team that, that you also work within at Tower that my goodness, you guys know how important that is. And it is it yeah. is tangibly important to your institution and it's mm-hmm. tangibly important to me and to Envo. And so we have continued to build out um, a team around relationships on that are ongoing. So it's not, hey, let's get that contract signed. Let's get that, you know, let's get that, uh, that invoice deposited. Let's get you up and live in 90 days or whatever the case may be. And then and then it's just crickets in the woods. Like, where's Invo? I know they're in Missouri, but I never hear from them. No, it's going to be, you know, you're going to get that one week check-in after you go live. You're going to get that 30-day check-in after you've had some time to experience the product. You're going to get a quarterly check-in thereafter. We have an annual customer event where we bring all of our clients in together so they can learn from each other. And we can also introduce new things. And so every one of those things impacts the relationship so that we're able to ensure are we getting too far ahead of ourselves? Mm-hmm. Like are our clients telling us what we need to know so that we don't get too far ahead? Are the, is the support lagging? Is the product being um, innovative in the way that they want it to do? Is it accomplishing what we told them that it would do? Is it, is it, is it actually performing in the way that you expected when you met with us before we actually hand shook on this deal? Um, and you know, that starts in the first day, the first week, the first month and the first year, and then my goal is for the first and the second and the third, you know, uh, renewal of the contract as well so that we're growing alongside those partners. And and then I want them to tell their friends. I, I'm yeah. a firm believer that in this industry, if we're doing things well, 
our clients, our, our banks and credit union clients will tell their peers about what they're doing to be successful, or it'll just, it'll just show, right? It'll just show yeah. they're doing things differently. And all of those, and I mean, I know I, I mentioned a whole lot. I, I, just, uh, I just threw a whole lot of things against the wall there, but um, I could go on and on and tell you the things that I look at because it's not just one or two or three things, but it's, it's literally uh, an all encompassing from the beginning of that uh, front end piece of the software from the development cycle all the way to the support and all the way through to the success that our clients are having for me to measure. Are we still doing things the right way today that we did when we started this? Yeah. Thanks for that answer. And I do think you all do that incredibly, incredibly well. One of my, so I met you all a year ago mm. uh, when I came to tower, it's been mm-hmm. almost a year, believe it or not. And I met you and met the whole team. We'll send and, you a cake. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll, I'll be looking for it in the mail if it mm-hmm. makes it here. And, uh, <laughs> Man, from the first time that we met, uh, it was pretty evident that we not only aligned on a lot of our values and sort of our approaches towards our clients and your clients, but just that there was a connection and there was there was this feeling of levity and fun as a part of the relationship as well. And I think that speaks to the culture that you've been shaping there at Invo. And I'd love to know more about the culture there at Invo, because I do think, you know, you have a culture that's fun, but that also produces at a very high level. How intentional is that from your part? And and what type of culture are you trying to build? Yeah, man, I, I love that you touched on this. And if anybody, anyone that knows me personally will tell you that, um, you know, that is probably the most important thing to me. Uh, and, and there's a lot of things that are important when it comes to running a company and a business. And especially when you're, you know, in a, we're not necessarily in that startup phase anymore, but when you're trying to grow from that bootstrap phase. But there's some things that you can establish early on that I believe you can carry all the way through regardless of what size you are, but you have got to be intentional about it. Um, and there's, I mean, culture, my goodness, it gets thrown around in so many different yeah. capacities. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't want to belittle those institutions that are out there that are trying to do it right. But there's a lot of, I would say, you know, shiny that's out there. And and I've, I've interviewed people before that have, that have went and interviewed at some of the top 10 tech companies in the United States. Um, and then they'll interview us. And of course they get shocked when they realize, you know, how, how what size we are and what we're growing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we also have a lot more fun than they do. Um, and I remind them, I'll remember your name. I just won't remember. I just won't know you as your employee number. Right. So that's right. Um, but some of those lessons were, and I'll get around to answering your question definitively, but I learned a lot, uh, through that career journey. I kind of outlined for you early on of that first real big career starter for me when I had significant success that was visible, um, at an executive level in this publicly traded organization. Um, the, the way that I was recognized was my five digit employee number. I will never Mm. forget being on a national call when they were recognizing these districts in the United States and the leads for each one of those at that time. that was, I was one of those and they were recognizing who had grown the most year over year and where you were ending up over plan. And they mentioned me five times by my five digit employee number. And I'll never forget the feeling I had of going into that call. And at the time, there was a lot of pride and ego that was running in me. And so at the time, I was super excited to be recognized. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had coworkers and peers all over the country and they were they were recognizing this success. And I'll never forget 
This was before text, by the way. So afterwards, I had to get on the phone and call all my friends <laughs> and go, that was me. I was that five-digit guy. That was the I was getting called out from the C-suite on this call, you know, and um, I thought that I will never forget that because I'll, mm. I know that as an individual, you want to be recognized on a personal level, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I learned really early on, maybe because I got some calluses through that experience that I, mm. if I read a chance to make an impact, I was going to do things differently. And then I was fortunate enough to also be mentored by some really good leaders that were sincere, that were compassionate, that that actually showed an interest in what I was interested in, um, that, that showed me that getting personal in those things and then being intentional about things really goes a long way. And so when we had one full-time employee or, you know, the time when we're onboarding new full-time employees every month, you know, we, we've tried to establish a process of bringing people into this environment and explaining to them what Invo is, why do we do what we do, and then how do we do what we do. Um, and we've established these these pillars within um, our company, and those, those pillars are very important to us, um, and those are to connect, to create, and exceed, and that's to make intentional connections, um, to always be doing these other things to connect, to create, and exceed, so creating good products, creating good relationships, so those create can go a long ways, and then exceeding is no matter what you promise you're going to do, always try to effort to exceed that, but even if you just accomplish the minimum, you're still doing more than most, and so it's it was just a matter of bringing people in the right way and then sharing that on the front end, even through conversations in the interviews. So the way we even interview Mm -hmm. is differently. So we will, we will interview typically three times at a minimum, which is a lot for some people, but I Mm want to know, can you perform the job? So, you know, meet with the person you'll be reporting to then meet with our leadership team. And then they, they meet with me and I come in still today and this won't always be sustainable, but I still come in and then I, I, I sit down and talk to them about who they are on a personal level and what their, what their goals, their aspirations, what are they looking for? How could Invo pour into them just as much as they're going to contribute to us so that they know from day one that at my level, it's important to me. Mm. Um, and then we really still try to maintain that, from from day one all the way through. But we do a lot of things together too. So, I mean, this is a team that has just as much fun mm-hmm. if we're going to have lunch together. We we have breakfast together as an entire company once a month. We do outings socially four times a year called team nights. And that's where everyone, no matter what your capacity is, support, development, sales, account management, executive level, everyone gets together and we all do something, some activity together so that Everyone can see we're real people too. Um, And then we allow our employees to also make decisions in the philanthropy that we're involved in. So as a company, there's things that we have that we're interested in that we want to be able to participate in. But then we also give the company the opportunity to bring those things to the table and then drive the direction in which Envo is involved in things they're interested in as well. And so all of those things together, in my opinion, create a tangible culture that that I think makes people want to go beyond what they normally might in an, in a, in a position. And yeah. so then you start to get that, you know, that five, 10 X employee that is getting the five or 10 X back to them personally. Um, and so it's mutually beneficial and not mutually exclusive, which is what we've all seen examples of, um, yeah. and just continue to try to foster that, Brett. That's, that's really the, the most important thing. Yeah. There's a lot of intention and a lot of thought behind that answer, Jake. How, as you you mentioned earlier, and I promised we would circle back to the ABL to always be learning. 
how do you find a balance between or always be launching? Sorry. How do we find a balance between this always be launching and that sort of desire to push and to grow and to start to push that growth towards exponential growth and not burning your people out? Yeah. Yeah, boy. And if you've got the answer for that, I'd love to talk with you about it. (laughs) Not at all. I was hoping you would have it. Yeah. You you know, (laughs) that is that is an area where I try to remain keenly plugged in and listening Mm -hmm. to what my employees are saying. So we we distribute um, or I distribute and our our leadership team does surveys on a regular basis to gauge where people are at, where where are they at from a workload standpoint, a work-life balance standpoint, job satisfaction. I mean, even questions like like, do you have fun coming into work? Mm. And if you do, what do you do at work that you have fun doing? Um, or yeah. what do you wish you were doing at work or that we were doing that would make it more fun for you? And so those open and they're all anonymous. So I don't I don't know who's submitting those survey results. And because of the anonymity component of that, I think people are willing to open their hearts up a little bit more and express the genuine side of that feedback. And so yeah. there's been things with every survey wave of surveys that we've just we only do this twice a year. We don't we don't inundate our employees with surveys every month. But there's been something we've changed with every wave of survey that we've rolled out. Mm-hmm. Something, something, even something small, such as you know, what, what would you prefer to have for dinner at a team night? You know, and if you get into this r- routine of doing the same thing, well, somebody throws out, why don't we do an ice cream bar, you know? And so we'll do an ice cream bar with like 40 bowls of toppings and you never knew that'd be a home run. Well, now that's the number one thing everybody likes, but if we really? hadn't been listening yeah. and asking, we wouldn't have known. And so there's things like that, that we put into place. I think that can kind of help make sure that checks and balances are there, but you know, the difficulty of maintaining that balance in a growth trajectory that a company like ours is in is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, and this is a negative probably, but we probably lean more towards people really working in and in, in taking on more than maybe they necessarily would at any, at another role. Um, and our, my goal is to let them know that I see it. Right. And so we, yeah. we let them know that it's not going unnoticed and that it won't always necessarily be that way, but it also ensures that we're not overstaffed. We've never had to have layoffs. We've never let people go even during the time of the pandemic. Like we were able to maintain a hundred percent staff. In fact, we were trying to wow. hire during that time and that is, it can be taken as we, we run lean. Um, and, and there's a little bit to that. We do run a little bit lean, but I think that we've, we've been able to attain significant efficiencies with the processes and procedures we have in place. Um, but I, we're also always hiring and always growing. And so there's a, there is a balance there, right. To, to achieve. And I won't say that we've ever achieved that balance, but we've been fortunate enough that we're always just really towing that line. Maybe, maybe stumbling over, it a little too far from time to time. But then again, I think if you have good relationships with your employees and your teams, you're able to communicate to, Hey man, I see this. I see you're, you're putting X amount of time or X amount of effort in. We recognize that, you know, would you change anything or what would you like to see? And in a lot of times it's like, no, we'll just go on the other side of this. We'll be fine. Or man, I would really benefit from having another engineer in this area, or I would really benefit from having another account manager over here. Um, and, and so just asking the questions and letting the employee be heard, I think is what really helps everyone's state of mind to be in the same place and then make sure everybody's still running in the same direction. I think that's powerful. 
Jake, are there certain qualities that when you're hiring someone, you talked a little bit about your hiring process. So when you are hiring someone, what are the qualities that you feel make people successful at Invo? Yeah. Wow. You know, we, we've got quite a dichotomy of individuals at this company. Um, and we've got, um, and I would say when we really started to grow out of the gate, I, I made a joke and that I found out after onboarding several um, employees early on that we were, we were almost becoming a refugee camp for corporate descent. People that were burnout, <laughs> that had, had bad corporate experiences, that were seeking a place where they could make an impact. Like mm-hmm. it was, we were like a magnet for that. And, <laughs> and there's probably a better way to wordsmith that than how I just did. But that is truly what was happening. And so I think about a lot of our, our leaders and and I mean, the director level positions, management level positions, people have come from environments like your background and my background of putting in that X amount of work. They were they were the 10x employee there, but they were still being compensated like they were a zero like they were or they were a 1x employee right. um, and they got tired of hitting their head against the wall. And and that's that's frustrating. And that's not a knock against any of those employees or employers. But for me, it was a situation where they were at the right point in their career path that they were looking for something. At the same time, Invo was looking for someone to fill that role that had their unique skill set. And so we we just found ourselves going through this interview process and I would speak with, you know, 15 people and then we would get down to interview three in person and I would just ask them about what the, you know, tell me about, you know, about what your role is today. And you'd be like, well, you know, I'm unemployed or, well, I'm kind of looking for this next position. And then to be like, I just don't think there's anywhere else for me to go where I'm at. Now, let me tell you about that. And I'd be like, well, is it because you're frustrated or because you're hungry? And, you know, because there's other things that come behind that. Like what's your motives? Mm-hmm. What is your, what is your heart actually about that, that situation? And so we ask intentional questions like that. And I want to hire people that have, uh, that hunger and aspiration to do more. And so there's been a lot of, in fact, I would say, probably 80% of our employees today are not where they started in the company. Uh, And so they may come in as a software engineer intern while they're finishing up school. And then they come on board as a, as an engineer one, and then they shift into specializing into only doing mobile development, or they may be doing backend development, or they may be a full stack employee or full stack engineer. So they'll start to get more specialized as they find out. First of all, they're going to learn anything, everything about our software, but then they're going to get more into, this is what I really want to do. And we want to, we want to, want to show them all that and then let them choose that. And so we have a lot of those conversations up front. Like if you're coming on board, get ready for an adventure (laughs) because that's where, that's where we're at. And we need to know that that's also what you want. Um, And that's not to say that we've not had, you know, uh, circumstances where that didn't work out because we have had that when that's, those are things that we've learned through as well. And not everyone is interested in, you know, coming aboard and coming alongside something that's moving at this pace, that's willing to, living an adventure every day. But boy, I tell you what, if if that's where you're at and you're excited to do something that you can't do, especially where we're at geographically, I mean, there's nothing else like who we are in this part of the, of this, well, in the city we are at, but even in the state that we're in. And so yeah. there's a, a lot of that that we're able to show as well. And um, I don't know if there's any specific, these are the 10 questions that I ask. I just think it's beneficial to come in with an expectation of asking some 
some questions of your employees that you're interviewing, but just let them talk. I mean, it's that's the one thing I think I've learned the most over interviewing in my career is just let the people you're talking to tell their story and and tell you what they want. Even if it's not in that role, let a, let them tell you what it is they want in their career journey. And that's going to tell you all you need to know about the heart of what they're wanting to do and where their desires and passions are at. Mm, I love that. So Jake, I'd love to pivot a little bit. And I know your family is something that is just tremendously important to you. And mm-hmm. running an organization that's growing quickly can often be very consuming. Mm. How do you find balance between these these two things that are both pulling really hard at your attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great thing to talk about. And it's an area that in the last, I would say in the last year or two years for me, I really try to be more intentional about recognizing that. And my personality type is very much that um, I, I want to be making sure I'm tending to everything that's important. Um, but I also like to do everything that is important. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, and that, and you can't do all the important things at the same time. And so being able to structure my time appropriately and, and, and be plugged in and intentional about my time and my schedule is important. And so, um, I think one of the things that I have, personally. And so, I mean, I'm not, I'm at this point in my life, I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. So I have really tried to work on being present wherever I'm at in in whatever Mm. I'm doing. And that starts for me because of the way that my schedule is of actually putting time slots in for things that are important. And so there's, there's time slots in my day for, for both of my children. So I have, I have two daughters. One's about to turn 16, pray for me. The other one is (laughs) ready to turn 12. Um, and, and they're both just a delight. And, and I'm, I'm very lucky as well, Brett, and, and I can't overstate this, that, um, I'm married to an, to an amazing woman. We're about to, to celebrate 22 years of marriage. Ah, congratulations. And, and thank you. I really appreciate that. And she is a super strong person and we we're actually, we're just going through this, this study together about, do you complete the person that you're with or do you compliment the person that you're with? Mm. Um, and how, you know, in that relationship specifically, you shouldn't try to seek someone who completes you, um, because you'll never find a person that actually completes you. Um, yeah. but you will find someone, or you should try to strive to find someone that compliments you. And what we fa- we found is that, you know, out of the gate, I think we kind of knew that we were very complimentary. We're both very driven. We're both very competitive. Uh, we, we met in business school, if that tells you anything. Um, <laughs> and that th- over this time together, you know, we, we've, we've, we've had a lot of ground rules for engaging each other in conversation because we are so competitive, which has helped. But we're also very complimentary in, in how we parent. And that comes down to even how, you know, we, we run the household and things that have to be done. Um, and she is so supportive of this journey um, that, that we are on and we are on it together, even though I'm the one physically who's here within Invo, um, you know, to grow and to run run this company. We are in it together. Make no mistake about it. And so she's very supportive, which is the only reason this works. Uh, But my kids also 
I've been doing things intentionally to bring them into what is it that dad does every day and mm. giving them a glimpse into what we're building here and, and what it is that we do in the industry that we serve and the impact that it makes and the people that work here, uh, bringing them into the office and things like that. But it's not all about work. And so it is just a much about them. And so we're, you know, every effort I can to be involved in things that they're involved in. And, you know, sometimes it's just like, hey, at this time, we stop and we focus on spending time together. You know, tell me about your day um, and and what's going on and I, and the activities that they're involved in, being present for those. And you know, they're they're also very adventurous, uh, like like me. And so we we travel a lot. We do. That's one of the things we really try to I say root ourselves in, which is uh, going on adventures and spending time together. And so we we always have things on the calendar that we're able to look forward to as a family. And so we teach them that we're we're working hard now to work towards this, but we can still enjoy the things in between. Um, but if there's an area I'm probably always constantly struggling with as a father is, am I doing the right things in that area? Am I giving them the time that they need? Am I supporting them the way that they need it? Um, and I had someone that was a mentor to me tell me one time that if you're even asking yourself that question, you're doing the right thing. And I'm like, well, that made me feel better because I feel like I'm never doing the right thing. But I guess I'm asking myself and always analyzing, which is at least one step in the right direction. Mm. I love that. And that's actually very helpful for me, too. So thank you to you <laughs> and, and whoever shared that, because I do feel that quite a bit in my own parenting journey is just it, it feels like there's just so much pressure to say the right things or do the right things. And we're all just human and dealing with mm. our own stressors and trying to overcome our own personal obstacles or traumas and heal from those things. And, and being on that path, I think there's times when maybe I say something that later on, I'm like, I really wish I would have said that differently. <laughs> and and so for me personally, I know going back, like I've, I've made such an effort with my kids to even just go back and say, Hey, you know what? I shouldn't have said that the way that I said, that specific thing. Here's what I was really trying to get across. And, you know, here's some things that are going on that, that just really had my head, you know, out of sorts when I said that. And I think that makes such a difference and just having the intention to like reflect and to go back and to continuously improve on, on parenting, I think is a big deal because there's a lot of people out there that aren't parenting in that way. Yeah, I mean, I and I think that's huge. And I think you and I grew up in a time where that's not how parenting was done either. Right. Right. Um, and I am, and I, I don't, I'm not speaking on behalf of your growth and growing up and your youth, but for me, it was like the, the, the parents, <laughs> they weren't dictators in the house, but I mean, this is the way the law of the land and they're never that's wrong. Right. right? Like yeah. my, my parents were never wrong, no matter what it was Like They yeah. were always right. And I think the one thing that I've learned is, and I do believe in uh, my household is very strict, is very conservative. You know, there's a lot of things that we have guardrails on, but I think that those are to do we teach them through that, right? The reason we're doing this is to protect you from things you don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But that's the side of it that's important. It's the educating them along the way side that is complementary to the why you're doing and saying what you're doing. And guess what? We're human and we get it wrong too. We are not perfect. Yeah. But I think yeah. there's a less uh, there's a lesson in that, right? Which is what you're saying. And that's if you say something out of frustration or anger or irritation, which are all emotions that we all have, it's okay to come back around and say, hey, 
you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. This is actually why I said that. And that's not what I meant to say. Um, I'm not perfect. And guess what? Neither are you. And and Mm -hmm. you're going to get aggravated and mad and frustrated. And you're going to raise your voice at some point in time. But just remember, it's okay to reel it back in um, and explain that and to come out on the other side and everybody can meet in the middle. And that's and that is okay. Uh, But remember, remember, I'm still the dad. So you still have to listen. (laughs) (laughs) i love that i try so hard not to pull that card i know that's one that was was constantly used on me which is just the because i'm the parent and oh it's so difficult not to not that's the easiest card to just like because i said or because i'm the parent um yeah yeah, i love that jake can you what (laughs) would you tell someone who i have a five-year-old daughter a three-year-old son you know, what advice would you give being someone that's a little further down the road for someone that's got younger kids? Ooh, man. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a man. That's a, that's a really good question. And I think that, you know, when I look at my journey and my path, which is the only thing I can go back and reflect on in my sure. experience, I think I'm pretty fortunate to say that there's not times that I wish I would have done something different. Now, there's always time like back to what I said earlier, which is it's okay to get to second guess everything because then you're usually doing the right thing, at least analyzing. Um, But there's that other side of it, which is I really try to live with this mantra of not having regret which is also being willing to forgive yourself and to say, hey, I could have done that better or different, but I can't change it. And that's okay. We got to move forward. And so you know, being, being present means all kinds of things. Um, I shared that earlier. Like that's something I personally have been working on in my journey is to be present and whatever I'm doing right in that moment and nothing else is more important. And if yeah. you can have that perspective, because I didn't gain that perspective, uh, personally until just a few years ago. And, you know, I'm, I'm a guy approaching my middle forties. So I really wish I would have learned this earlier in my path, but if you're with your kids, don't be anywhere else. Yeah. Like do everything you can to not be somewhere else mentally or emotionally and cognitively, then what is the most important thing to them right now or whatever it is you're doing with them right now? And yeah. it goes, sometimes it's that car ride home from preschool and you're hearing all about some kid that threw a block at your daughter's head. And all you want to do is go, <laughs> go tell that, that five-year-old boy, you know, the, his parents that they need to do a better job of parenting. That's right. That's not what needs to happen there. Yeah. Um, what yeah. needs to happen is you need to listen to your daughter, tell the story, sympathize and empathize and then give some advice on maybe how to handle it differently next time. And but we'll put an ice pack on that when we get home. But yeah. you're not you're not like, oh, okay, okay. But in the back of your mind, you're you're thinking I've got 18 emails waiting for me when I get home. I've got a presentation tomorrow morning. Uh, we have a dinner to go to tonight. We have a charity event on Friday. like all these things are still going to happen. But if you can't touch or impact any of those things at that time, then then remove them from your headspace because that yeah. drive home may be the most important time you have with with your child in, the, in those next 15 minutes. And so if I could give advice to myself or anyone else that is at that phase of life as a career professional or, or otherwise, it would be that if you can just be present and wherever you're at and whatever you're doing, um, that'll be one area you will never regret. Mm, that's great advice, Jake. I saw something earlier today that they hit home with me and it, it was just a little, uh, maybe a Instagram post or something. And it said this, it said, uh, kids won't ask you to have a talk about their day. They'll ask you, will you play with me? 
<laughs> and and that yeah. got me really thinking because at the in I think that changes as they get older, right? But at the toddler stage and at the five, six year old stage, it's really true. Like my daughter's not gonna say, Hey dad, I want to talk about my day. She's gonna say, Hey yeah. dad, will you come play with me in my room? Yep. And that's those moments that are so easy to miss when you have other things going on in your head, but if you can really dial in and be present, there's so much power in getting to experience those moments face to face with your kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brett, you're right. So Jake, what's next for you? What's next for Invo? <laughs> uh, you mean like in the next 24 hours? I mean, in the next, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, at the rate y'all are changing for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, there, there's a lot going on. You know, this year is not unlike the last year that we've experienced. Um, we are coming out of strategic planning season and we're coming out of budgeting season. And so there's a lot of goals that we've got out from um, different areas of the company. And so we're, um, it's actually pretty timely. We're, we're heading into our first all hands meeting of the year uh, tomorrow, which depending on when you people are listening to this was probably already happened, but we're going to be covering what's the main strategic goals for every area of the of the organization and you know for us there is a lot of preparation for our goal to launch the next product so that you know that the product is is beginning the stages of development there is a long list of current projects for features that are being developed integrations that are being either finished wrapped up or starting to be scoped right now and so all product related things for sure um, yeah. but right now we're we're looking to add four new software engineers to the development team. I'm looking to expand and add an outbound sales representative uh, to take our our story and, and what we're doing in our product and our brand to more conventions and events and partner with our strategic partners across the country and get out there and uh, multiply our efforts in that space. We're really starting to expand our marketing and advertising this year with some new media outlets. So we're buying a lot more media collateral in different um, areas, which is a significant spend, but I think it's going to continue to grow the brand brand awareness and the product awareness from what we're doing. Um, and so that's a lot about the development, a lot about the marketing and advertising that that side of things. And then, yeah. you know, internally, we're we're getting pretty tight over here. So one of the goals this year is to also re relocate our corporate uh, facilities. And so that's something we're building towards in the fourth quarter. And um, in the meantime, people might be sitting very closely together as we add those five <laughs> positions, but we're going to make we're going to make the most of it for sure. Um, and, you know, for me, we we kind of saw some unique things happen last year. So, you know, we look at, I always look at this time frame in a, a pre and a post 2020 um, kind of lens or two lenses, yeah. if you will. Mm -hmm. And so there was about two years where we saw this industry not really come together um, in a in a social way or in a collective way. And then last year was the first year we really saw that really start to, to take hold again. And we, of course, we had our, our first big in-person um, customer innovation event, which you were a part of yeah. um, and, the, and the team at Tower. And so we'll be doing that again on another level this year, but we'll, we'll be attending significantly more industry events across the United States this year to really let everyone that occupies the space understand that, hey, there are areas we can help impact uh, customer engagement and customer um, experiences digitally and in the branch, as well as operational challenges that we might be facing and that you might be facing um, from a, uh, a labor standpoint or just an efficiency standpoint of accomplishing projects and goals. A lot of the unique things that you guys are doing, you're solving for that other community banks are not solving for. So 
how do we how do we share the unique stories such as the stories that are coming out of tower with other community banks across the country and so mm. we're really going to intentionally be present at those types of events this year so that we can also just share with others, Hey, this is also possible and here's what your peers are doing. So we're wanting to really share the message in that regard and not lose sight of how we're doing things. So maintaining that culture component you talked about maintaining that. Um, and, and it's just as much internal. We talked a lot about the internal side of culture, but I also like to expose the culture of Invo externally. And mm-hmm. I, t- I tell our teams, you never know who you're talking to, but there's always an opportunity to impact others in the software development space as well as others inside of the industry as a whole in the financial services space. And so you never know the opportunities you have to just share the excitement and joy you have in what you're doing with others and that it's okay to do business differently. Um, yeah. Even though it's, we're not reinventing business. We're just reinventing the way that I think you can, you can create visibility to it. And that back to you said that it, that tangible side of the culture piece is important to me to, to shed a, a little bit of a more of a spotlight on. And so all of those things have to align for me. Um, and I think that I think that our goal at the end of the years, if we accomplish those and it's been a successful year and I'm a firm believer that the business will follow that. Yeah, man, that's some exciting stuff you have going on. Big year ahead. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jake, what is the impact that you hope to make personally? Oh, man. Uh, boy, I tell you what, when it comes to an impact on you're talking about on the company or on, on, on people or you take that whatever direction is meaningful for you. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I love that question. And, and I think, I think it's a really thought provoking question because I believe that all of us have an opportunity to make an impact on someone every single day. Um, and man, I tell you what, the pace at which we do business today, um, all of us, um, I'm speaking, you know, for the for the greater audience, it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're checking out at a self checkout and someone just asking you or thanking you for coming in. You have an opportunity to impact that person. What are you choosing to do? Um, somebody comes in my office, which happens all day long, right? And mm-hmm. Um, and actually I'll sit right there for just a second. I hadn't really thought about that, but one of the areas that I have been challenged by, and this wasn't something where an employee got frustrated about it or somebody said, Hey, you might consider doing this. But what I realized my own internal emotions were that daily interruption of people coming in my office wasn't an interruption. Um, and the, the presence of mind that people would want to come in and ask my opinion on something or had an idea or just wanted to engage in conversation. If I was doing something, I mean, I will tell you, and I will be completely honest about it. it at times I was like, Hey, I'm in the middle of doing something. Can we, can we do this later? But I realized what that impact was. Um, mm. in fact, impact was the word that I used when I processed it internally last year, when I reflected on this, which is ironic that you asked that question and I hadn't really made that connection until I just verbalized that. Yeah. But, but for me it was, Hey, I have an opportunity to impact this person that mm. they've come into my office, stopped whatever they were doing because they needed help or they wanted an opinion. Um, or they wanted direction, or they just had something to talk about. And you know, whatever I was doing, I can pick back up when we're done. But if I could sit there intentionally and have a, an impactful conversation and an impactful engagement, then it's going to be way better for both of us when that is done. And I can just go back to what I was doing. And so that comes back to that being present 
in in my opinion, like I mentioned earlier, in whatever it is you're doing. And um, yeah. I, I'm a I'm a firm believer that you can you can start your day in a routine of mindfulness that says, "Here's how I'm going to impact people today." Um, and it doesn't have to be where I write all these things down. Although I know people that do that. I know people that write, yeah. get up and write down the 10 things I'm grateful for. And here's the yep. 10 things I need to do today. And I think that's great. Um, I do write down the things I need to get done today, but it's in the notes app on my iPhone. It's not on a paper, paper piece of paper. <laughs> but I think about, you know, and, and there's days that, that I'm not good about this, but there's more days than, than there are not that I try to. And that's yeah. to be positively impacting anyone that I'm in, engaged with, wherever that might be. Um, and we are super active in our church and yeah. I have a real heart and passion for, for youth. And so we're, my wife and I are very plugged in and involved in the youth area of our church. And what I learned, I learned that lesson, which I applied here in the office in service at, at a, at a church service when these, these kids were coming in and, you know, they were, that was the, for them, sometimes the safest in the, in the most fun thing they did all week was come into wow. that. And it could be because their kid, their parents just dropped them off and left because yeah. that gave let their parents go do whatever they were going to do. And that was the, the two hours that they had. And you don't realize that that might be the only time you had an opportunity to be a smile or, or a, a cheerful face or something there. And when I realized that we were doing that and we were having those impacts there that, Hey, why can't we do this every single, everywhere else we go? And yeah. so I, I think just back to your initial question, now that you let me kind of process this in the therapy session answer <laughs> that, that being mindful in how you're impacting people in just casual and everyday conversations and interactions goes way further and has a much bigger impression than what we think it does. Mm. That is a beautiful answer. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I think I just learned something myself. If I'm going to be honest about it, I think I knew that was inside of me, but I just, after verbalizing it through your thought provoking question, I think I might've just arrived at that resolution myself. I'm glad I'm not the only one who does that. I literally, <laughs> there, there are times when I don't make a connection until I've said it out loud. And then I'm like, Oh, huh, well, yeah. That, that that's true. I just yeah. hadn't processed it in that way. So I um, need to ask you a question. Oh, you right now? Yeah, right now. Well, let's go. Is that a part of the code from the impact code? Like, is that actually the code within the impact code? Because I think that that might be a little bit about the intentionality behind this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that I think that's a big part of it. Jake mm -hmm. is giving people a, a chance to talk about their journeys, to talk about their stories, and then connecting it at the end with this idea of, of impact, because we don't pause enough to think about how the things that we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, at least I don't pause enough to think mm -hmm. about how the things I do on a day-to-day -day basis are really playing into this larger picture of my life and the impact that I'm having on the people around me. And yeah. it's really easy to get sucked into the to do's and sucked into the goals and the KPIs and all these things that we have to keep an eye on. There's yep. no way that we can't, we have to keep yep. an eye on those things, yep. but we can't miss the opportunity to reflect and to process and to verbalize like you just did that, that impact. So absolutely. It's a part of, part of the impact code. It's good. The code it's good. of the, the impact code. The, exactly. The actual code. That's right. You got to well, remember Jake, I live in code every day. It's ones and zeros <laughs> for me, right? That's right. That's right. I love it. 
So Jake, where can people find you? If they, if they're curious about Invo or they want to learn a little more from you, they're intrigued by the things that you're sharing today. Where's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, I love to connect with anyone that would be willing to engage and that, that's active in this space. And I know that's your community as well. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. So you can search me out, Jake Martin on, on LinkedIn. You can also find our, our company Invo Solutions on LinkedIn as well. InvoSolutions.com is our company's website. It's also where you can go find links off to things we're doing. Links to our podcast and our live stream are, are on there as well. Uh, but would love to uh, to engage in the community. And if there's anything I can do to impact others, then I absolutely want to be able to do that. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share while we've got you here today, Jake? Um, I think I have one question for you. Let's go. Are the Chiefs going to win the Super Bowl? Ooh. I'm going to be really honest and say I've been out of touch with football this year. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I, you tell me what's your take. Well, I mean, then that's a that's an easy. We're always welcoming more fans onto the Chiefs bandwagon. Okay, and so I'm a firm believer that even though Mahomes is going into the next game with a bum ankle, that that dude would go out with a boot on and still throw that football 65 yards. So uh, I'm going to have to say Chiefs all the way. But um, there's always a seat at my house to watch any Chiefs game that you're available, and uh, we're not too far a drive from your house, so. No, I love it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll watch my first game of the, actually I watched one Colts game and they just got clobbered and I was Uh, like, you know what? This isn't my season. This isn't my season to watch the NFL. I'm going to, I'll circle back next year when we're looking a little better. So I may take you up on that, Jake. Oh yeah, absolutely. Anytime. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show though. This has been a great conversation and I hope it was worth your while as well. Sure was Brett. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Talk to you soon, man. All right. See you. Bye. There you have it, everybody. The one and only Jake Martin. I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. A big thank you to Jake for coming on the show and spending the time to have this conversation today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review. Please rate our show five stars wherever it is you listen and give us a follow. If you have guest suggestions, you can send those to podcast at towercommunitybank.com. Thank you so much for your time and attention and listening to The Impact Code. There is so much content out there and it means the world that you chose to spend some time with us here at The Impact Code at Tower Community Bank. We have so much great content coming up for you. I'm so excited for these next several weeks of the podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss out. As always, a very special thank you to Tower Community Bank for putting on this podcast. Please be well and I'll see you back here for the next episode of The Impact Code. Bye.